All right, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, and uh, I like that, death had lost. You can look at the devil and death this morning and go, double loser, <laughs> amen, they lost. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, turn there in the Word of God, 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 through 5, <clears throat> verses 1 through 5, <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 1, the Word of God says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood. Thank God for the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Isn't that good? Now think about it. I don't know how many of you got... Uh, it, it, investments, but would you, you prefer them to be added to or multiplied? You know, I'm glad God likes to multiply things, and one thing He likes to multiply in our life is grace and peace. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray again. Father, again, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. And Lord, we just want to thank you for the prayers that have been answered. Lord, again, we think of uh, uh, the one uh, concerning the, the parking lot again. We think of uh, families that we prayed for, Lord, and you've moved and answered those prayers. We think of Brother Bolt's uh, brother on his way back uh, from uh, Hong Kong and, and other things. God, we thank you, dear God, that you care about the details of our life. And uh, Lord, we give you the praise and honor and glory for that. Lord, we thank you for each one that's here this morning. We thank you for each one that's listening in. Lord, our desire is the same as your desire. That, Lord, if there's somebody's lost, that somebody, dear God, would hear the word of God and the spirit of God would convict that heart and open that heart and draw that heart and be born again this day. Lord, just like our sister gave testimony 42 years ago today, saved by the grace of God. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here this morning that's already saved. Uh, dear God, thank you for their faithfulness, uh, to, Lord, to be in the house of God. Thank you that they love God. They love the word of God. They love the people of God. And Lord, we uh, uh, thank you for what you've done in their life. So Lord, as we celebrate today the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you'd be high and lifted up and people would get the help that they need as we gather together this day. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So of course, we're looking at the book of 1 Peter. And of course, uh, you know, he talks about hope here. You think of John, when you think of John, what do you think of? You think of love, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved, he was the disciple of love. When you think of Paul, what do you think of? You think of faith. He's always talking about faith. And of course, Peter is the disciple of hope. So we see here, notice verse 3, a living hope. 
Again, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Notice that statement, begotten us. Amen? That word means regenerated. Amen? Uh, We've been transformed uh, uh, by the grace of God. That means to become qualitatively new, to be changed from a natural state. That's what we were, right? In our natural state, we were lost. The Bible says, natural man receiveth not the things of God, and neither can he know them, because what they are foolish is unto him, because these things are spiritually discerned. But the day that we were begotten, amen, through the power of the gospel, we went from a natural state to a spiritual state, right? And so, or we might calmly say, we've been born again by the grace of God. That word lively means living, active, enduring, That's what God put in your heart. He put something that's alive. He's alive. So everything that he gives forth, amen, is alive and it's active and it's enduring because our God is alive, our God is active, and our God is enduring. This book is alive. This book is active. And this book is enduring. That word means it has life in itself, right? He's God. He has life in itself. And all that he has, it gives life. And, of course, it sustains us in this life. So as we see here, it says, it says there, to his abundant mercy. So you see, we've been saved by one, it says, the mercy of God. Right? We needed, when we came to God, we needed mercy. Why? Because we were guilty. Remember, mercy is my favorite word. I know everybody likes, uh, I don't know why there's not a song called Amazing Mercy, how sweet the sound. I hate, we can keep Amazing Grace, but I think we need to have one that says Amazing Mercy. Because everything exists by the grace of God. But you see, uh, the, the, the key thing about mercy is what? It can only be applied by what? to the guilty. You have to be guilty to get mercy. And so thank God for the day that you came and you said, God, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I'm unworthy, Lord. The only thing I deserve is to be judged and go to hell. Amen. But God, would you have mercy on me and save my soul? And so he saved us by his great mercy and he saved us. Amen. The mercy of God. Not only does it mention that and it says, what else? A miracle of God. A miracle of God. And that miracle of God is what we celebrate today. And what is that miracle it mentions? Notice what it says. Begotten us again in the livelihood by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the miracle of God that we celebrate today. Thank God again. I serve a risen Savior. I like what Paul said to King Agrippa. You remember when he was standing before King Agrippa in Acts 26? I want to read a couple verses from Acts 26 where Paul, remember he was a prisoner and he was standing before King Agrippa. And give you two verses. Acts 26 verse 23 says this, that Christ should suffer. It was necessary, right? We know that. And that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Thank God. But then in verse 26, he says this. For the king knoweth these things, before whom also I speak freely. He says this. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hid for him. 
Here's the statement. For this thing was not done in a corner. Hey, hey, he didn't go over in a corner. God didn't try to hide what he was doing. Hey, when he allowed his son to hang on that cross, when he allowed his son to shed his blood, he didn't just pick some literal place. Amen. He picked the center of the world because he wanted his son, when he hung on that cross, to be on center stage. Amen. And have the whole world to focus on. This is my beloved son. And here he died for you and he sheds his blood for you and here he pays the price for your sin. I like that way he said it was not done in a corner. Everybody knew what had happened in Jerusalem that day. God had nothing to hide. God has nothing to hide and we don't need to hide from telling it to the world. You see from servant to king he was talking to the king. From servant to king they knew what had taken place. For he died for servant the king. He died for servant the king. You see, without the resurrection, again, notice that verse. He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Without the resurrection, without the resurrection, we have no message. We have no, if there's not a resurrection, we have no message. There is no good news to tell without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we, we th- when we think about the Gospels, when we think about the New Testament, we think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all talk about what Jesus did. They all talk about how, how Jesus came into the world and how he lived his life and then how he died. But think about this. What if you read the message of Matthew and this is where it ended? And when Jesus had taken the body of Jesus, of course, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laying it in his own new tomb, which he had hewed out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. What if that is the way Matthew ended? What if this is the way the message of Mark ended? Mark 15, 43 says, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly into Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. I love that statement. Crave the, hey, we ought to crave Jesus. Amen. There's a message right there. Do you crave Jesus this morning? You ought to crave Jesus. And then verse 46 says this, and he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in linen. And laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of rock, and rolled a stone into the door of the sepulcher. What if that was the last verse in Mark? What if Luke ended this way? And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and just. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. What if that's how Luke ended? What if this is how John ended? Then took they the body of Jesus and wound, wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the man of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. What if that was how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John ended? Where is the living hope in those verses? 
Where is the joy and excitement in those verses? But praise God, that's not where Matthew ends. Thank God there's verses after that. And Matthew goes on to say, And the angel answered and said, The woman, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Amen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. I'm glad that's not where Matthew ended. I'm glad that's not where Mark ended. And Mark goes on to say, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw the young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith, And be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they had laid him. Thank God that Mark has more verses. Thank God that Luke has more verses. It says in Luke 24, 2, And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they'd entered in, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, I love this, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. And then finally, John, thank God, John had some more verses. And it says this in John 20. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked in the sepulcher. And then, of course, we know what happened. Uh, Jesus saith unto her, she thought he was a, she saw Jesus, thought he was a garter, and Jesus said, Mary. Oh, listen, <laughs> I don't care what's going on in your life. When Jesus speaks your name, nobody can speak your name like Jesus Christ. She turned herself and saying to him, Rabboni, which is a master. And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brother and say, I ascended to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God it didn't end at the tomb. Thank God that Matthew continued and Mark continued and Luke continued and John continued. And that's why we can continue on 2,000 years later because they continued on to the resurrection. We can continue on. And 2,000 years later, we still have a message. We still have a story to tell. Amen. We can still spread a lively hope to a lost and dying world. Amen. Thank God we have a message for the nations. What a wonderful, blessed thing that is. And we praise the Lord for that. Look again, it says, and that is how, amen, we have begotten by the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead. And we bless his holy name for that. Amen. Just, I'm getting excited here. I got to get back to my verses. Amen. My, my notes, the power of the resurrection. When we got saved, think about that. God created us. You know, in uh, chapter 2, it mentions God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Notice that. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Amen. You see, uh, 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 he, he, he could see our future. God the Father could see our future. He had the foreknowledge. And so he could see our future. Then it says through sanctification of the Spirit. You see, we've been, we've been set apart and uh, preserved, amen, by the Holy Spirit of God, right? He's preserved us for the future. And the sprinkling of the blood, amen, he changed our future through the blood. And so we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And of course, uh, God made us a tripart being. We have a body, soul, and spirit. We, again, we came to the world, what? With a dead spirit, with a lost soul, and a body that was uh, uh, beginning to, uh, heading towards death. 
And so through the power of the resurrection, we get saved. He resurrects our dead spirit. We've talked about that, right? You have he quickened. So he takes care of that. He resurrects our lost soul. He saves our soul. And one day, amen, he's going to resurrect this old decayed body up from the grave. Uh, they arose, it's going to be one day. So again, the resurrection makes the difference. That, that, that changes everything about the story. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine going to say, hey, I'd like to tell you about the death and burial of Jesus Christ. Boy, what if we had to stop there when we gave the message? But no, thank God we can say, I'd like to tell you about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that can transform your life and take away your sin and save your soul, give you eternal life, and give you a daily, active, personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad about that this morning? Let me give you some other verses from Acts. I like this, Acts 23. Again, the resurrection makes the difference. Again, Paul, again, he's before a, a group of people and they're challenging him. In Acts 23, 6, it says this. But when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, he cried out on the council, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Look at this. The hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. And in verse 7, he says, but when he had so said, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And notice this. It says the multitude was divided. What made the division? The resurrection. You see, the resurrection is the dividing point. It's what separates us, amen? That is, the, the, the resurrection is still the dividing mark. You see, when it comes to the resurrection, religion is on one side and salvation is on the other. Hell is on one side of the resurrection and heaven is on the other side of the resurrection. Hopelessness is on one side of the resurrection and true hope on the other side of the resurrection. Eternal death is on one side of the resurrection and eternal life on the other. In Acts 4.33, the apostles gave this testimony and with great power gave the apostles witness of what? The resurrection. And you know what? We today, what is our responsibilities as believers that we, as we walk out those doors, as we live our life, as we talk to others, that by the grace of God, with great power, we would still give witness of the resurrection. Amen. I'm glad on this day, April 17th, uh, 2022, we can still, amen, in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and in the power of the Word of God, we can still give testimony of the witness of the resurrection. We can say, hey, listen, Matthew doesn't in there. Mark doesn't in there. Amen. Luke doesn't in there. John doesn't in there. And your life doesn't have to end right here. It can continue on, amen, because of the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm so glad he's alive. I'm so glad he got up on that day. Oh, I'm so glad, amen, that the power, amen, that's that, that power that brought him out is what keeps me alive today. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I'm so glad I'm on the other side. I'm glad I don't have a religion, amen. I don't have a no, a, a hope so. I have a no so. That's what I have. I have a truth that transformed my heart, a truth that transformed my life, a truth that gave for me purpose. And amen, 
amen, just like, amen, and I continue on, amen, 35 years later, amen, and her 42 years later because of the power of the resurrection. What allows you to sit here today? You are sitting here by the power of the resurrection. You have peace. If you have peace today, it's by the power of the resurrection, amen. Amen, if you have a daily active personal relationship with the Lord, it's through the power of the resurrection. And if you're lost today, if you still have a question mark in your heart, today that question mark can be turned to an exclamation mark of assurance through the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank God for that lively hope. I'm sorry, I was trying to hurry so we could, we got to do the Lord's uh, supper here. Amen. We got to do supper so you can get to lunch. How does that work out? Amen. Well, let's have supper so you can have lunch. Boy, we're getting everything backwards around here. But thank God there's a lively hope. So let's, let's quickly, verses 4 and 5. And so what is the result of that? We see a lively hope. And that, what does that bring us? It brings us one day a lasting home. Verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I'll just touch on this. Notice what it says, an inheritance. You see, we are heirs. We are joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. It says it's incorruptible. In other words, it's not capable of corruption. It's not capable of corruption. It's undefiled, which means it's unstained. It fadeth not away. In other words, when we think of heaven, when we think about the streets of gold, when we think about, amen, those walls and those gates, it it has an unfading loveliness, amen. Nothing can change the state in which we shall find it. And then it says reserved means to keep in store. That means it will be there. That when The moment you close your eyes down here, that very same second you open your eyes there, it'll be there, amen. It'll be there waiting on you. So we see it's what? It's perfect. It's pure. It's permanent. And it's promised. And God keeps his promise. Or if you want to say it another, there's all kinds of ways you can say it, amen. There's other ways. It cannot but. It cannot be decayed. It cannot be defiled. It cannot lose its delight. And it cannot be deleted, amen. Nobody can delete it. It's going to be there. But see, that's what God does. But you know what? Sin does just the opposite. Sin corrupts. Sin defiles. Sin causes things to perish, and sin gives no security. So I'd say I'd rather have the blessed hope and the lively hope, amen, that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would you want to hold on to your sin when all it does is corrupt your life? Why would you want to hold on to sin when all it does is defile your life? Why would you uh, want to hold on to sin when all all it does is cause the things that you think are are, are worth holding on to perish? Why when it gives you no security about the destiny of your soul, no hope at all in sin? You see, it's reserved. I like, I like this de- definition of reserved. It means beyond risk. <laughs> beyond risk. The hope that you have in Jesus Christ, the inheritance that you have in Jesus Christ, it's beyond risk, amen. You don't have to worry about all you are in Christ. Think about this. All you are in Christ and all you have in Christ is beyond risk, amen. The devil can't touch it. The world can't touch it, amen. It's already been touched by Jesus, amen. 
and it's in his hand, and everything's all right. It is there, amen, just waiting for you to show up, amen. It's going to be there. We have that blessed hope, that lively hope. It's alive because he's alive, and we're alive in him. Our inheritance is reserved in him, and we are preserved in him. And one day soon, we're going to meet up, amen, and everything's going to be all right. Let's try to finish up here with verse 5. So we see, amen, a loving help. You see, why do we have this assurance? Because we're kept by the power of God. You see, that, 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 see, death could not hold him, right? The song says death could not hold him. Why? Because he was in the hands. I like what it says in Acts. It was not possible that he should be holding of it. I, I love that statement. But you see, we are kept by the power of God. The same power that brought him out of that grave. Amen? That, that secured our uh, message. Amen? Salvation is the still one that secures our inheritance. And it secures us. We are kept by the power of God. That's why there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can. People say, well, you know, well, if he's in your, if you're in his hand, you know, uh, what if he actually opens up his hand? You fall. People just say, stupid. I just want to look at him and say, I got two words for you. Stupid. Get out of my face. Amen. Get out of my face. Amen. I don't want to look at your face anyways. I want to look at his face. Amen. I want to look at his face. Oh, listen, hey, listen, aren't you so glad? He kept you, he saved, he keeps you, amen? Listen, you couldn't, you could oh man, your bone of his bone, your flesh of his flesh. Man, we could park there a while. Listen, we have a guard we're kept by. Look at that, we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. You see, we have a guard. We're kept by the power of God. We have a guarantee, faith unto salvation. And look at this, to be revealed. We have a goal, amen. We have a goal. You see, Jesus has already been revealed in heaven, and he sits on the right hand of the Father. But you know what? One day you're going to be, well, can you imagine when he came back? Boy, the angels, oh, he's here, he's here, he's here. Jesus is here. Oh, but one day, amen, you're going to show up, and you're going to what? They say? They're going to say, he's here. They're going to tell mama, or they're going to tell uh, uh, that child. They're going to tell that loved one. They're going to tell that friend. Hey, just want you to know, he's here. Hey, she's here. She's here. And it's going to go out. You're going to be revealed. What a wonderful thought that is. So today we rejoice. We have a lively hope because of the resurrection of the Jesus Christ. But I think about those that don't have any hope. Jeremiah 18, 12 there was in Israel, listen to the statement, and they said, there is no hope. There is no hope. What a terrible thing to think. There is no hope. And they said, because there's no hope, we will walk after our own devices. We will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. So you want to know why the world is the way it is? Do you want to know why they walk after their own devices? Do you want to know why they walk after the imagination of the evil heart? Amen. Because they think there's no hope. And of course, there is no hope outside of Jesus Christ. The Bible makes that clear. Ephesians 2.12, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. And friend, if you're here today and again, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, this moment, you have no hope. Oh, but you can. 
You can if you repent of your sins and put your trust in the death, burial, shed blood, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today you can receive that lively hope. Praise the Lord. There's something that can take us from a place of no hope to a lively hope. Let me give another verse here. Revelation 1.18. Jesus talking here. I love this verse. Jesus said, I am he that liveth, was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Well, think about that. The devil didn't even have the keys to his own house. Amen. They wouldn't have the keys to his own house. He'd be listening. And because he is alive forevermore, we, have tr- we that have trusted him are alive forevermore. So listen, friend, you, you're, you're, you're facing two things this morning. You're either facing a hopeless end. Without Jesus Christ, you're facing a hopeless end. You, you just stay right where you're at, lost in your sin. And your hopeless end will take you straight to hell and eternal death without Christ. So you're either here this morning without Christ and you're facing a hopeless end. Or if you're in Christ, you're facing an endless hope. Amen. Oh, which sounds better, a hopeless end or an endless hope? I think I'd rather have the endless hope, and I'm glad I have that today in Jesus Christ. But if you're still in that hopeless end, facing that hopeless end, today come to Jesus and receive the endless hope. Oh, which side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ do you find yourself standing today? Let's pray.